Alright, this is Pop Culture with Beards. Not a lot of people know that. Hi everyone, um, I'm going to start a little bit down today because uh, it's Saturday morning and we're stuck here in the school library on detention. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you in any way. I'm hoping it does. You're listening to Pop Culture with Beards. I'm Phil and I'm here with... Andy, hello. And... Mike, how are you? And why did I come up with that sort of laboured introduction, Andy? Well, because you were referring to uh, an American filmmaker, writer, director, producer by the name of John Hughes, not WA folk, not the uh, car dealer, not the man who wants your business and he's prepared to pay for it. I love John Hughes. We all love John Hughes, but this is a different John Hughes. Are you trying this to is... get a car cheap here? <laughs> no. No, not me either. I love John Hughes. This is a different John Hughes. This John Hughes, well, like I say, was an American filmmaker, uh, and he started off as an author for a magazine back in the 70s called National Lampoons, which I'm sure you're both familiar with. And that was like a mad magazine for adults. There's a wonderful documentary on it on Netflix somewhere. I have no idea what it's called, but check it out on National Lampoons. Very, very funny stuff. Very cutting edge for the time. And anyway, back to John Hughes. The reason I'm talking about John Hughes is that for our generation, Generation X, and perhaps you could be a little bit younger, a little bit older, but he made a lot of films that were the staple for our teenage years. I was lucky enough to get introduced to his stuff when I was still back in primary school and then as I grew up and um, got to watch a lot of stuff. Do you guys remember John Hughes, the filmmaker? Big time, yeah. Lovely stuff, yeah. Yeah, me too. And Phil, not, yeah, not, not a huge fan, but you uh, remember him? Not absolutely huge, so I'm just going to flip over to you and say, is that, uh, was he involved in Uncle Buck? Is that him or not? That's no? the one. I'm just okay. going to rattle off a couple of um, of his films here. Uh, he wrote, didn't direct, but he wrote, and I think we were meant, might have mentioned that earlier on today, is National Lampoon's Vacation, because that was directed by Harold Ramis. Hey. There we go, full circle. Then he wrote a film called Mr. Mum. Now, Mr. Mum was the one that got him noticed by Hollywood when he wrote that. A lot of his films were semi-autobiographical, things Mm -hmm. that have happened to him, and he thought, right, this is I can see the funny side to this. So he wrote a film called Mr. Mum, which was one of my favourites growing up. That was nice. Yeah, Yeah, very good. Right, Michael Keaton, exactly, one of his earlier roles, Yeah. yeah. And that was based on John Hughes' his wife going to work and him stuck at home with the two kids, which doesn't sound so uh, amazing these days, but back in the um, 70s when it happened to him, it was something else. So Mr. Mum, and that got him, uh, like I say, Hollywood came along, started knocking on the door and offered him a three-picture deal. And his debut was a film called Sixteen Candles, and that came out in 1984, and that had the delightful Molly Ringwell and Anthony Michael Hall. I'm sure you guys have John seen John Cusack's in there as well. He yeah. is. He's got a little... Because all... Oh, this is something else I just wanted to mention. John Hughes grew up in Chicago and was quite insistent on um, 
shooting most of his films in, in Chicago because they're set in Chicago and he didn't want to go to LA and do things on New York. It was his home. So uh, people out there where or not, but Chicago is the third biggest city in the US. So, all right. So then he went, he did Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, which Breakfast Club, I think is probably his most famous or the next one, which is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Those two are probably the, the, the huge biggies in that teenage era of um, that teenage genre, shall I say. Yeah. Uh, he wrote uh, Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, and he produced a lot of these. And then he decided to branch out and do more, if you will, adult films. And when I say adult, I mean adult subject. They weren't just targeted at the teenagers. So then he came uh, along with a film in 1987 called Planes, Trains and Automobiles, and that had um, Steve Martin and the wonderful John, John Candy. Candy. Yeah. And he, he and John Candy apparently were quite close, very, very close. And they collaborated for a couple of films there. Um, after he did that, he did a one called She's Having a Baby, didn't go down too well, but of course, Uncle Buck came out with Uncle Buck, which had John Hughes in it. Oh, sorry, they had John Candy in it again. Yeah. Massive hit. Then he started pulling back a little bit and just was writing. He didn't really, wasn't too interested in directing so much. So he was doing a lot of writing, a lot of producing. And he, he wrote Dennis the Menace, ba- Baby's Day Out, Beethoven, and of course, Home Alone, which was massive hit mm. and all the sequels that went with it. Uh, like I say, it was all set in Chicago, coming-of-age teen comedy films with honest depictions of suburban teenage life. Now, we could debate that. It, it was His films were very, very uh, uh, idiosyncratic, I'd say, you know, mm. very middle-class, white, growing up, that thing, but that's what he knew. Uh, they say that a lot of the, his films were quite popular because they were a throwback um, sorry, they, they fought against the, the porkies of the world, these really sort of smug, mm. uh, teenagers trying to get, lose their virginity kind of stuff when this was looking at, um, the more nitty gritty of things. Mm. And that's real why life, be- yeah. real life kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And he was very, very prolific. He did a lot of writing. In fact, I think it was, we were talking earlier on that. I think he came up with Ferris Bueller in about a week or something. Yep. He wrote it within a week. Mm. Uh, he started filming on the first draft. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, he was very, very uh, prolific and just, just wrote all the time. There's a number of films that um, scripts that he wrote that haven't been um, didn't he didn't get to uh, make. Um, and uh, I'm going to go through them in a minute. But just before that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, his relationship with John Candy. John Candy died in 1994. And from my research, it turns out, I'd heard this before, before I started looking into presenting this, is that after the death of John, the sudden death of John Candy, and you've got to remember, of course, remember John Candy was huge, absolute, mm-hmm. enormous, big, big guy, and he died suddenly in Mexico in a heart attack. That really rattled John Hughes, and he withdrew from Hollywood, he withdrew from the things and just wrote and he started writing under aliases and didn't like the way he felt, didn't like the way Hollywood treated John Candy and probably attributed the, the, the stress to an early death. So that's that one. And what happened, unfortunately, John Hughes also had an early death at the age of 59, had a t- heart attack back in uh, 2009 um, in New York. And um, so there were no more films there. But just going back to the idea of, uh, sorry, just going 
just going to have a look at some of the um, unproduced scripts that he wrote. Uh, one was called Jaws 3, People Zero. And it was a <laughs> comedy about um, a parody sequel to the popular film series. The History of Ohio from Beginning to End. And that was co-written with uh, PJ O'Rourke. I'm sure you, oh, wow. you guys are... Mm. Um, he was also National Lampoons. Was, yeah. Uh, there's the book The Joy of Sex, but he wrote and turned that into something else, and uh, that was another film that didn't go anywhere. Uh, let's have a look here. He wrote a script called Oil and Vinegar. A soon-to-be-married man and a hitchhiking girl end up talking about their lives during a car ride. He wanted to get Ferris Bueller's Matthew, Mo- uh, Matthew Broderick and um, Molly Ringwald together in that one. Just didn't happen, unfortunately. Sat on the turnaround, as they say. He also had a film that was called Bartholomew versus Nev, a vehicle that would have starred Sylvester Stallone and John Candy as fighting neighbours. Oh, that'd be yeah. good. Yeah. There you go. So mm. he had some really interesting ideas. He, like I said, he was quite prolific. He used to write all the time. And a lot of his films were based on him growing up. The Some Kind of Wonderful is about a teenage boy played by Eric Stoltz who isn't into sports. He's not into science, but he likes to paint. And apparently that was what John Hughes was about. He was really into his music and painting, and it didn't really fit in, as he said, it didn't fit into growing up. Uh, in, in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, like I said, the Mr. Mum, that was him staying at home. Film She's Having a Baby was about when his wife was pregnant and how he was a little bit selfish about things. And, and That's yeah. very underrated, that film. I don't know if you've I, seen that one. I have. It's a good movie. And, yeah, and the interesting thing about it is that they were filming that at the same time as Planes, Trains. So there's, there's a, a little cameo from Kevin Bacon in Planes, Trains where he steals Steve Martin's. There is. Cab yes, at the beginning. Yeah. And also at the end of, or during uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, the wife is waiting for him to come home. And on the television she's watching, she's having a baby. Right. So he's done a little cross promo there. Uh, what also I just wanted to talk about, I told you he started off with the teenage stuff, went into the adult, and then ended up doing a lot of the probably slapstick stuff, if you would, the, the Home Alones and the Uncle Bucks and. And all these kind of, there's a scene in Uncle Buck where you had um, Macaulay Culkin and he's sitting there waiting for the person to turn up and he's looking through the little slot and he thought that was an idea that went off and that became Home Alone from there. And that was that. So um, what else have I got here? I was lucky to see Uncle Buck uh, at an advanced screening, which was uh, doubled up with Parenthood. So that was Ah. was, uh, was quite a double for its day. Yeah, Yeah. that was a, yeah, that was a, that would have been 89. It would, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, of course, just a couple of other things. He ended up um, producing and had a big hand in the films Jack, 101 Dalmatians, Flubber, uh, and a couple of other ones there too. He also, but, apparently the story for Drillbit Taylor was based on yes, one, one that's of right. his. Yeah, which I haven't seen. Have you seen it? Nope. It's all right, yeah. It's a bit Is of that sort of like post his... D- death is that was yeah i think so i believe so okay. yeah. right. interesting but again his films there were to this day you'll hear people quoting his films particularly from the breakfast club and ferris bueller i could used to be able to quote that backwards um and just a very interesting director because you knew when you were watching a john hughes film uh very much and the lovely quote which i know phil absolutely adores is when you grow up your heart dies so uh <laughs> But I, think, I, I think about that every morning when I go to work, mate. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I just wanted to talk about that. The thing about that is it's nostalgic. 
to look back at these things, watching them nowadays as being slightly older, I can, you know, you can really see a lot of holes in these things and, um, and uh, notice just how white they were and how very middle class they were and, and fairly, and again, wherever you sit politically on the thing, they're very, um, he was a notorious uh, conservative, a Republican on that one. Well, it's a, it's well, that's a, that's your old type, old school type of Republican. Yeah, though, you know, not not your modern version. No. And the thing is that the interesting thing about that is, in some ways, he was, I think, at the time he started and did those teenage sort of movies, I think that what he thought and what he said actually did represent a lot of movies and a lot of television at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, everything kind of did have that flavour. And so, um, you know, there was no uh, discrepancy there. He was sort of speaking. He was what he was saying sounded great to a majority of those teens, those middle class teens of that mm, audience. So much. those people thought, um, uh, "Oh, he's speaking to us." Mm. And you know, even if you can see, as as Andy was saying, the holes in that sort of thing now. At the time, it seemed like it was you know, bang on, because really material for teenagers before John Hughes didn't have that kind of ring to it or that sort of observation. Like, you know, uh, you can look at something like 16 Candles now and sort of say, oh, she's got some weird ideas about what she wants to do. And believe me, a lot of people have, and a lot of them have been, a lot of them have been women. But the thing is that at the time, for the audience it was playing to, um, that was not the feeling. The feeling was, oh, that's cool. I, you know, that the audience identified with her and what she wanted to do. And it was different. Like I said earlier mm. on, it's the, it was a complete, completely different from those porky films and the, mm. You know, drive down to Mexico and get drunk and lose the virginity kind of yeah. thing. I just, uh, I had a kind of a John Hughes moment. Um, I, as you both know, I used to live in the States and I was, um, with my friends. We were driving around in Chicago and I looked around and to myself, I didn't say anything. I went, geez, this looks like I'm in a John Hughes film. It looks exactly like it. And lo and behold, I'd finished the thought. Good mate of mine, Steve, who is a Chicagoan, I think that's what you call mm-hmm. him, said, um, Oh, by the way, this is this is the neighbourhood where John Hughes used to shoot all his films. Wow. So that yeah. was great. And then we drove past and saw a couple of we went to, uh, past the high school and I think one of the houses and that kind of thing. And that was really really cool. But it, yeah, you get a real sense and flavour for it. So and um, and that was such a lovely moment that he eventually got me a. I don't know if anyone knows, but um, a lot of of John Hughes films are set in the fictional suburb of Sherman, Illinois. Mm. And um, Steve went off and got me a T-shirt that was from Sherman, Illinois. Oh, nice. Which was a good, that was a lovely present, very, mm. very thought. But, um, yeah, so is there a particular uh, John Hughes film that you love, if you had to pick one, or a moment, uh, perhaps? I think, I think it's a tie between uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles and mm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Because, I don't know, the... The, the matching of Candy and Steve Martin in uh, Planes, Trains is just incredible. It's damn good, isn't it? And it's got so much heart. The the lines are great. It's the memorable characters. Um, just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's some of those moments in there where, uh, you know, like John Candy turns into the devil 
uh, while they're, while they're having a car accident. Road, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just, um, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's it's a magic film and it, it always uh, warms my heart, I think, that one. It's probably and, the, uh, the I'd say, the the pinnacle of his career, that Definitely, one. Definitely, yeah. And he had like a, he had a real character to play in that one, I think, John Candy. And just, just on that note, again, I was talking about a lot of his stuff being autobiographical. He used to fly to New York from Chicago a lot. And snowstorm hit, and there he was stuck in New York, and he had to try and get back to Chicago in real life, John Hughes. And I don't know whether he met someone like that, like uh, John Candy, but that gave him the inspiration for that one. Sorry, and what was the other one you were saying? uh, I think Ferris Bueller, because he just sort of uh, envied his lifestyle. I think uh, just the fact Mm. that it was not necessarily bad, but sort of cheeky and and naughty. Mm. Uh, Very confident. Yeah, and confident. It's like uh, things you'd like to see in yourself, you know? Absolutely. just the the antics he got up to. The teenagers sticking it to the... Yeah. To the to the adults and, and, and outsmarting the adults, yeah. always and and again, John Hughes loosely. That's the one film he did a little cameo in. Oh, sorry, The Breakfast Club as well. But there's a scene in What's downtown Chicago. He just walks past the camera. That's Ooh, it. How Hitchcockian of him. Yeah, uh, and he based Ferris on himself, and Cameron was his best friend um, as a teenager, and who um, John Hughes's girlfriend at the time, and they the three of them were just. Very, very close all the time. So John Hughes was Ferris. <laughs> well, his, yeah, his, uh, <laughs> his, uh, what do you call it? His super ego, his alternative ego. Or I, think, like I think that's the, the later named idea of the Mary Sue is right there. There if you that's, go. If that's the case. I, uh, I'm a massive fan. One of the first ones I ever saw of his was The Breakfast Club. My sister had. Mm. Uh, a copy of it on VHS, and I think I watched that thing back to front and, and just absolutely adored it. I think it was because it becoming a teenager, but also the different uh, – obviously, it's it's really well written and it's self-contained. It's in one location, mm. which is very hard to maintain. Absolutely. And that is great. And the great characters you've got with the adults and the, te- and the teenagers, but also like the different – you know the jock and the brain and the and the the criminal and all these the princess the outcast, the outcast yeah the uh, the basket case and just the different clothes and the different music they're listening to and all that that was really great as a as a, a young teenager coming up into it. Phil, any I know you're well, not a huge look, fan, but my, is there the anything Breakfast between? Club is my favourite John oh, good. Hughes film actually, mm. and uh, the what I would say is that um, uh, I think that the handling of the different characters is good and. Having that differentiation between them is is smart and well done, and I think has been much much lifted yeah. since then by other other films. Um, I would say though that um, as time has passed, what was the? Do we remember the name of the teacher in that? Uh, the one who's in the other. You know, he he basically puts him on detention, and he's waiting uh, in the other room. And oh, all um, oh, geez, now you've got it. Yeah, Barry, Barry Menelay, no, he stole your wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> that guy, yeah. Well, um, as as years go on, and because I am a teacher, I now identify with him. <laughs> he, you know, and he's he's hard done by. Mm. I've got to say, he's really hard it's done unjust, by. It's unjust, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's just wrong. Yeah. Uh, no, I do think, I think that there's a lot about that film, which Andy has said, which is it seems to be very much of its moment in terms of the music, in terms of capturing, you know, different styles of people like now. You know, a lot of teenage, uh, teenage type programming, which I believe, you know, like I was just saying, kind of reflects that kind of way of making mm. those films. I think it, it definitely has echoes in a lot of things that have come down. 
Yes. And I think yeah. that, you know, this idea, now we have shows that have, uh, like, uh, it focus on the idea of micro sort of groupings. It's no longer just jocks and nerds. It's lots of other things. Well, I think that starts with something like Definitely. The Breakfast Club. Yeah. You know, because they actually were capturing there some stereotypes that were not yet quite stereotypes. And exactly. that's what made yeah. it seem like a film that was picking up on on uh, more of what was actually happening. And that's how yeah. people tended to read it at the time. Yeah, I think that's good. How'd you go there, Mike? Did you did you remember his name? We've discovered it's Paul Gleason. It okay. Uh, He's the actor. Yeah, played uh, Mr. Vernon, I think. Oh, I yeah, that's it, Vernon. Okay. Yeah. That's it. He also had a great role in uh, Die Hard. Oh, Paul oh, yes. Gleason. Yeah, oh, he actually plays the places. a-hole. Br- places, yeah, of course. He plays yeah. the a-hole brilliantly always. He does, doesn't he? He's Trading really, places. really good at that. Yeah, really. But I'd have to say in terms of Vernon now, while all the rest of us, you know, when, when we were sort of, we first saw the movie, we were all basically Judd. <laughs> Judd exactly. Nelson. Basically Judd Nelson, you know, crossing the oval and giving the fist up in the uh, air. That Well, now, because of my present situation, I am now... Back in the buildings, uh, marking. Look, no, get looking at looking out the binoculars at at Bender going as he does that. Right. So that's my that's my reality. Mm. Okay. Well, I just <laughs> thank you, Phil. Thanks for sharing that. Roles there, yeah. You did. He has. I think exactly. we've all kind of had that, those moments in our lives. I just uh, wanted to say that in the eighty second Academy Awards, this is in two thousand and ten, so a year after Hughes had passed. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had a tribute for Mr. John Hughes. It was a retrospective of clips from Hughes' films, and it was uh, followed by cast members of who were in several mm. of the films there. And there was Molly Ringwald, right. Matthew Broderick, Macaulay Culkin, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, and, of course, John Cryer, that everyone probably might remember from Pretty Two and a Half Men. But it, sorry, yeah, he but was in pretty, Ducky, yeah. Ducky in Pretty, which yeah, another one he wrote, but he didn't direct. The controversial Ducky. The Ducky was he controversial? Was he? Uh, the controversy is um, why didn't Ducky get the girl? Ah, okay. Well, That's been. If you haven't seen the film, now you have. Well, it's a, exactly. Oh, well, spoilers for how old is thirty-five oh, years. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, in that list, I didn't. I see uh, Beethoven didn't turn up. So, whatever. Oh, no, I did. He's here. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The list of uh, the tribute. Oh, I see. Whatever's Beethoven. Who's Beethoven? The dog? Yeah. Mm. Oh, right. Um, no, St. Bernard might, turns up. Might have been dead. Tri- I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he didn't get an invite. Yeah, whatever. I'm sorry to hear that. Just wanted to leave everyone on a note here about um, what was said about Hughes, John Hughes. Is, um, so I loved how John Hughes wrote teens. They were flawed in their genuine sort of way. Hmm. And I think that was quite nice. I think that's a good way to put it. There's some pretty average ones. In fact, the last one he directed was called Curly Sue. That was in 1991, and that is absolutely appealing. It's woeful. It's got Jim Belushi in it, though. Come on. Yeah, Yeah. and and it's just, it's again, it's kind of in the vein of Home Alone, but I don't think his heart was in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He also did one called Reach the Rock very late. What is that? Like a TV film, but I've never caught up with it yet, so that's wonder. Who, John Hughes? Yeah, yeah. Is that a rock that... Reach the rock. Is it a rock you swim towards? What is it? Uh, No, it's like a... uh, It's more a drama. So, uh, yeah. It's a a hard one to track down, that one. Might be on YouTube. Maybe it's been buried for... Mm -hmm. I know he was helping his son. His son's... 
dabbled in, he had two sons and they dabbled in some film for a mm. while there. And there was a film called something Southport or Southport or something or other. And I think he produced it. And I think what's interesting about John Hughes is that it seems like he stepped away from some things. And the reason I say that is usually when you have that kind of success uh, as a writer-director, what the expectation is is that you hang in there and you keep trying to build and build and build. But obviously at a certain point... Um, he said, you've already covered this, he went back to writing, and then he also wrote and produced all things that are actually quite, you know, quite uh, powerful things to do if people will keep paying you money. Which they did, yeah. Which they did. But in that way of being a sort of a uh, a celebrity, using the wrong word there, but in that way of being sort of like, say, a brand, a brand like Michael Bay or something, yeah. you know, he certainly wasn't doing that. And that, I find that interesting because it seems like that things happened that changed his approach. Hmm. Um, and that's... I think he didn't want to necessarily be around people. I think he just became apparently a bit of a recluse. Yeah, we did. with his wife and... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that as well, yeah. There you go. Anyway, John Hughes, we love you. And I'm looking at Mike, who for some reason is holding his hand up. I I, I'd like to wrap it up with... You with should. Something, ...if that's okay, so... Just wrap it up with, you're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. 